Will and Christian in the morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Will and Christian in the morning. As always, I'm Will. And I'm Christian. And before we even get in, I'd like to introduce a very special guest, friend of the pod, first time guest, Abby. Hello, everybody. How are you doing, Abby? I'm fantastic. I've been trying to get on Will and Christian in the morning for months, uh, and I can't believe it's finally happening. Uh, I've been trying to, you guys have offered for me to come on for a little bit, but you said I needed to bring a topic. And the thing with me is I don't have a lot of niche information about pop culture. Um, But when I came to you guys with this topic today, I have a very good niche uh, bubble of information about this topic. So I'm very excited that you guys have me here. And what's that topic? We will find out soon. And Abby is definitely a longtime listener. Uh, early fan of the pod indeed um so it's nice to have you on here today thank you thank you yes welcome so christian how you doing how's your week i'm good it's been good oh um you know we are getting closer to school so i've just been doing some more moving um i got my room all set up pretty much but um one thing i do not have is a bed and i'm not gonna get one for like two weeks what (laughs) so you know, we just went to the the mattress store the other day um, because I haven't done it and I should have done it like weeks ago, but whatever. And the guy was like, you know, we're all backed up because everyone's going back to school. So he said the earliest he can get me my bed is like like a week and a half. Or so something. it sounds like Christian's going to be sleeping on the murder futon. <laughs> I, well, I have an air mattress. There's nothing but... murder about it. <laughs> There's just so much murder going on in your house. I don't know what is murder and what isn't. Hey, murder bathroom has become like light crime bathroom. It looks it looks (laughs) a lot nicer, but there are still some minor blood stains on the So so I uh I dyed my hair again last night. Um because if any listeners know me, they know I love to dye my hair. Mm -hmm. But uh I dyed it red again. Mm. Um and what you do is when you dye your hair before you like do shampoo and conditioner, you're supposed to like completely rinse it out with just water. You're supposed to like run it underwater until the water looks clear. But when you first put water on red dyed hair, it literally looks like somebody is bleeding in the shower in the tub. So all I could think of was murder bathroom the entire time that I was like washing out my hair last night. Nice. That's hilarious. (laughs) But um, in summary, I got to sleep on an air mattress for about a week and a half, but that's not that bad that's okay it's but, silly week it doesn't matter yeah it's fine but i'm excited to be back uh how about you will how you doing i'm pretty good it's been i a little bit of a stressful week just because everything's creeping up on me faster than i thought um i've been driving down to the house to drop stuff off like every day today's like the only day i'm not going down there there's like going to the store constantly to buy stuff going around like thrift stores to get cheap furniture if i can (laughs) um yeah trying to like spend as little money as possible setting my room up um and i've just input all my classes and assignments and stuff in my calendar that i can so far um just a lot going on (laughs) but uh, i'm excited to get back to school i think once i get in the groove of things um it'll be better but what about you, Abby? How has your week been? Uh, this has been a very interesting week. I just spent last week up in uh, Massachusetts 
uh, doing my EMT skills training. Oh yeah. Uh, so oh, that yeah. was that was very stressful, very tiring. Uh, it was kind of like finals week at school, but it's just one class and it's all really squished together. Um, but I passed the class. That's very exciting. Congratulations. Uh, so I got back on Sunday. Uh, and I've just been chilling since then. I have to go back up to Massachusetts tomorrow to take like the official national practical exam. Uh, and then I'm coming back down on Friday and then I'm moving into Philly for school on Saturday. Very exciting. Nice. Now, my question is, mm -hmm. why is it in Massachusetts for this training thing? Um, so I am getting my national certification. Uh, so oh. it's, you know, you can do it at the state level, but all of the, I'm from New Jersey and all of the New Jersey classes were kind of filled up because my friend and I, who I'm doing this with, uh, we kind of were a little late to the game. We were like, oh, it's quarantine. We both want to be doctors. Let's do something medical in our, you know, meantime so that we're not just sitting around the house. Um, so we were like, okay, we can't really do New Jersey certification. If we're going to be doctors, then we're going to be moving around the country a little bit in our later years um so why don't we get nationally certified so just this one company that we're doing it with it's the national ems institute and it's in massachusetts so that's why we have to go up there interesting it's pretty cool all right well let's just uh hop right into it we got a little bit of news before we start so starting off we got amc the theater company when they are coming back, they're opening up uh, starting August 20th, which is tomorrow. Wow. Um, oh, yeah. At the time of this recording, of course, it's tomorrow. But uh, it says about a sixth of their locations will be opening up to, uh, tomorrow, August 20th. And it's going to be you know, slowly opening up. But it's going to start at 15 cents a ticket. That's pretty crazy. Right? 15 cents? Yeah. Um, I saw a thing where, like, they didn't put a cap on how many tickets you could buy. So there are people who just bought up entire movie theaters so they could watch <laughs> a movie by themselves for, like, five bucks Maybe. or, like, ten bucks. Um, but it's only for that first day, I think. So mm -hmm. oh. that is something I actually would do because I – otherwise, I wouldn't ever go to a movie theater right now, but – if I could get the entire room to myself, maybe I would. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting, and I think it's a, I guess it's a good move to sort of like get people coming back to the theaters. Like, hey, really low prices, and I guess if you want to have the whole theater to yourself, if that makes you feel safe, then it's going to cost you only like five dollars. But that's pretty funny. But I think um, hopefully the theaters will be opening up soon. You know, they'll say, you know, wear a mask, maybe remove some of the seats to sort of distance them. But um, I would be excited to get back into the theaters, although I am being cautious. Yeah, um, they're showing a lot of the movies that they're showing at those like Walmart drive-in uh, screenings. So like nothing new yet. Um, and those are going to be $5 like after that first day. So it's still pretty cheap compared to what movie tickets usually are um i think it's really interesting that they're so inexpensive right off the bat because you know the the movie theater industry was already hurting in the past decade you know mm -hmm. when you introduce streaming people don't want to go out and pay 12 dollars for a movie ticket mm -hmm. um and then with uh the virus and shutdowns you know it hurt the industry even more so i'm surprised they're coming back with such 
low prices, but maybe that's going to, it's going to get people back in the field. More people will enjoy uh, the experience of being in a movie theater again. It's an unmatched feeling that I think our generation is starting to forget. Yeah. I yes. miss it a lot. I love going to the theater, mm-hmm. you know, the popcorn and Coke in hand. It's a <laughs> wonderful feeling. Speaking of that, it's kind of, so all these places are going to like require masks, all these movie theaters, but then people are going to be eating. Like, are they still going to sell? <laughs> because that's how they make their money mm-hmm. is with the snacks. Like, true. I don't know what they're going to do. And they'll segue. Um, <laughs> so Tenet, the movie that has moved dates about a hundred times. I still don't even know when it's coming out, but Warner brothers said they're not going to show it in any movie theaters that don't require masks. So like, you're going to have to wear one if you want to go see it, but then like what movie theaters are going to allow you, like are going to force you to wear one the whole time because like they can't survive without selling you food. I don't know. Or maybe it'll be like restaurants where you wear it when you get there and then you take it off when you're eating. But yeah, either way, it's a little, I don't know. I'm still waiting for them to introduce the uh, Star Wars prequel style pods um, so they can like have separate seating, you know, like you and your family or you and like a couple friends that you've been like quarantined with. You can like go in like your little pod of like five or six and then each separate pod is going to have separate people. It's going to be distance. So if you can't wear a mask, if you're eating popcorn or something, then at least you'll be like a good distance away yeah that's true so i don't know we'll see but uh, i'm very excited for tenant not because like it looks good but also just because it's been like hyped up for so long and they're like we're not gonna release it unless it's in the theater so it's like oh it must be that good that it needs to be in the theater so i am looking forward to whenever it comes out another movie that I don't know if I'm looking forward to it because I've never heard of it. There's this movie called The Devil All the Time. Will, you were talking about it before, but uh, you said Tom Holland is in it with a Southern accent. Yeah, that's the only reason I wanted to talk about it. <laughs> Tom Holland with a Southern accent. And Robert Pattinson, I think. Um, it's got like a oh, decent amount of stars. I don't really know what it's about. I think it's based off a book, but I saw like a bit of the trailer and it's got Tom Holland speaking in a Southern accent um which i think anyone should try to like go watch uh because it's pretty interesting (laughs) but um that was the reason that i put it on there (laughs) all right cool tom holland with the southern accent yeah so another thing that i just saw was so we've talked about in the lost episode um about censorship that Oh, yeah. A lot of like, and especially with everything going on, like a lot of people have been putting like disclaimers up or even like taking things off streaming services or, you know, wherever you're watching stuff. Like I know HBO took Gone with the Wind off for a little bit. Um, stuff like that. And we originally talked about how a lot of the old Looney Tunes cartoons have this disclaimer at the beginning saying, like, this, what's depicted like is wrong it was wrong at the time it's wrong now like we don't encourage it but we're not gonna like censor it because it was made in that time and a big movie that comes up when people talk about stuff like that whether it be taking it off services or like censoring or putting disclaimers is blazing saddles um (laughs) have you guys ever seen it i have not no i also have not 
so I've seen parts of it and I understand why people want it taken off of things. So it's a Mel Brooks movie. Um, he famously can get pretty raunchy and um, in the movie there's, it's about, I forget exactly what it's about, but a lot of, it's like a Western movie mm-hmm. and I don't remember exactly when it takes place, but there's lots of like white people using the N word and like a lot of really racist stuff. Like, Oh, um, similar to almost like Django Unchained, except it's supposed to be like, I think it's supposed to be satire or it's like not encouraged. It's like supposed to be a comedy, but it's still very like uncomfortable to watch. And a lot of people have been like, you don't put this up on like services or whatever. And some people are like, no, keep it up. Cause it's not like, it's supposed to be, saying that it's bad um so they just put up a disclaimer at the start of it now like putting it into context and talking about all of it um i don't think i'm gonna go watch it even if it has that now but it's interesting that just that example because i know that's one that people bring up a lot oh that's sounds interesting so uh moving on uh we've talked a lot about disney and their live action remakes we mentioned mulan which is finally coming out for 30 dollars on disney plus for to rent it for a couple days which i think we talked about how it's a little ridiculous but uh there are there's a rumor that disney might be making a live action remake of atlantis the lost empire and i remember i think i remember watching this movie like when i was little and i thought it was cool but like i don't know i'm kind of over the whole disney live action thing like i i'm not gonna watch i probably won't watch mulan um if they release more i just i'm just kind of over it you know yeah i i just thought this was weird because why this movie (laughs) um yeah like i mean like it's like you know underwater and all that right yeah like i don't know it's just one of like their biggest flops ever and I I don't know how valid this rumor is, but I've seen a couple places talk about it. And as much as I am for finding the most niche and obscure things and making (laughs) remakes of them, this is kind of strange to me. Like I'd rather them make one of like the lesser popular, like nineties Disney movies, Mm -hmm. um, like Hercules or the Hunchback of Notre Dame or something than Atlantis, which it definitely has its fans, but I don't know how many people are begging for this to be it's made. A, it's a very niche fan base for Atlantis. I've never seen the movie, but being on that side of the internet, I've seen the people who absolutely adore it. Um, so I know those people are begging for a live action because they feel as if a live action will share the story with more people. Um, I guess, yeah. But I think it's such a, a niche and such a small a pocket of people that i don't think it's really worth disney's investments <laughs> yeah and they're not doing too hot right now anyway so this is, <laughs> this is probably never gonna actually happen but yeah. we'll see we'll see um exciting news for some fans of the you know the avatar last airbender universe i guess um the legend of korra which is avatar's uh sequel show has now come to Netflix after um, the original show came out of Netflix and had, I think, like a big resurgence. That's how I watched the show for the first time. That's how Will watched the show for the first time. 
and now Legend of Korra is on Netflix, and I have I've been wanting to watch it because you know I really I love the original series, and I've heard like mixed things about the series. Some people say it's good, some people say it's terrible. People are like, oh, it's not as good as the original, and some some people are like, oh, it might be even better, but I don't believe that one. But uh, you know, I'm excited to watch it at some point but i am nervous going into it because i don't think any of us have seen it i saw the first couple episodes now oh and abby you you haven't seen it right i have i have never watched the legend of korra and i'm debating whether i watch it um because i am a die 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 hard avatar the last airbender fan i watched the show as it came out when i was like four and five years old um Mm -hmm. and I think I got when Cora started getting released. I think that's when I started doing theater and sports at the same time. So my TV watching went down. Um, so I was always really busy during that era in my childhood. So I never watched it. My dad did. He enjoyed it because I watched Avatar with him when I was a kid. Uh, and he's back into watching Cora right now. As soon as it got released, he jumped on Netflix. Mm. Uh, I've taught him the art of binging during quarantine. <laughs> but um, I, the same thing as Christian. I've I've heard some some conflicting testimonies about Korra. Uh, I like how it expands on the Avatar universe, so I know some things about the universe that I wouldn't have known if Korra didn't exist. But I think my emotional attachment to Avatar The Last Airbender, I don't want that corrupted by the possibility of poor Korra content. Um, and that's just my fear, and I'd very much prefer being blindly satisfied with the universe that I adore. <laughs> oh, that yeah, makes I sense. That. Um, from the two episodes that I watched, it's definitely a lot different than mm-hmm. the last episode. Not like, I mean, I guess it expands on a lot of the stuff from the show, like you're saying, but just the setting is so different because you you spend your entire time in Avatar: The Last Airbender in this very most of the time you're in rural Asia. Um, the, or some places in the tundra. The only time you're ever in like a, a very industrialized civilization is in the, the Fire Nation. Um, and then when you get to Korra times, there's Republic City and everything's so, you know, it's a hundred years later, but it feels like you're a thousand years in the future. It just feels like too much of a jump and it's a completely different universe. Yeah, like there's cars. It's supposed to be like the 20s. So there's like mm-hmm. cars and like radio, like like radio shows and um that's so a lot of like to think about newer technology but also people are still doing bending and stuff and there's still the animals and it's i'm in actually i actually am interested to see like how it goes and where it goes and Mm -hmm. the other cool thing is like even from the start there's a lot of connection to the to the ang gang Mm -hmm. um whether it be like seeing characters years and years older or seeing like their children or people who like worked with them mm-hmm. so like their stories it's not just completely brand new people mm-hmm. like there's connections to the old show and that's fun to see later on um, in the series you do get to re-meet some the remaining survivors of the ang gang ooh. yeah so it's fun there's like even even the first episode and i won't say who but in the first episode you pretty much immediately get introduced to one of the characters that you know from the show and it's so weird <laughs> it's so weird <laughs> um but it's also cool but uh cora herself seems like a pretty fun character like it doesn't seem like i'm gonna hate 
the main character going through it. Not that yeah. I think that I would, but <laughs> there are um, a lot of people who don't like her as an avatar. Oh, yeah, okay. That's <laughs> that's usually the big um, conflict that I see. Because um, with Avatar: The Last Airbender, this is the the big analogy I always hear. Avatar: The Last Airbender is about a twelve year old boy who is destined to save the world. So he's a a child learning to be the chosen one. Um, Korra is told that she's going to be the avatar from the time that she's like a very, very little kid. Um, so she's always known that she's the chosen one. And throughout the entire series, she needs to kind of learn how to be a good human. Um, so she's very bombastic and she's very strong willed. Um, she's very aware of her importance in the world. Um, and that kind of goes to her head a little bit, but her progression of the show is her learning how to be a human while also being the avatar. Um, and a lot of people don't like her because of underlying sexism and like women shouldn't be that strong. Like she's, you know, she's acting too masculine, blah, blah, blah. You could say a thousand different things about why people don't like Korra as a character and as a show. Um, but I just think it's, it's very interesting to see the dynamic and having these conversations and hearing these conversations makes me want to watch it. But at the same time, I have that internal struggle. It's very weird. If only there was like a memory eraser, if you really don't like the show, <laughs> that you could just like pop it on. Some men in black in here. Exactly. Also, I mean, if this is any way to sway you, J.K. Simmons plays a main character for either of you. Yes. Um, so interesting i did not realize that until i started watching like he does the intro um oh really at least like from the second episode on so i like that jk simmons uh and i yeah he's it doesn't always sound like him when he's playing his character but he's there um but uh going off of that some more news so the also i guess I'll spill that like the main topic is about Avatar. Um, we've already talked guessed. about it a little bit. <laughs> and if you haven't looked at the title of the episode. Um, so there for like two years now, there's been a live action remake of Avatar The Last Airbender in the works at Netflix with the creators of the show. People were really excited because uh, it would be like a live action version done justice unlike the m night Shyamalan version yeah. that we talked about in the I last saw that episode movie in theaters in 2009 in i'm theaters. so sorry i saw it in theaters my like wow. it was a family field trip because my entire family is so invested in the avatar universe wow. and like we i cried <laughs> oh no it was like it broke my heart to see six people do a stupid dance to move one rock <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, um but yes the avatar is the main topic today because i i know a lot about avatar um and i was very hopeful for this live action remake i was very excited even though we live in like we were talking about before with atlantis uh we live in the era of there are no good new ideas you just need to remake everything a little bit different mm -hmm. um but i was always kind of excited for this mainly because i thought that the only time i'd get to watch avatar again was the live action remake um because like christian said this has been in the works for two years um and netflix has always been very adamant about not putting the original tv show on netflix until quarantine happened um so i'm glad that it got put on on netflix because i've watched it three times now already again <laughs> but um it the 
the sad news is that the creators, um, DiMartino and Konietzko, have left the project because uh, Netflix wanted to basically age up the kids. They didn't want them to be nearly as young as they were so that they could make it darker. Um, Percy Avatar, Jackson syndrome. Very, That's very good Percy day. Yes. syndrome. Um, <laughs> they, they wanted to make it darker, which I don't understand because Avatar really already is a very, very dark show. Yeah, people get like murdered and stuff on this it, children's show. <laughs> we're gonna get into this later, but like the the deep concepts that are perfectly digested into uh, concepts that kids can understand is phenomenal. But it's it's a very dark show with some very dark themes, and um, there is also wanting to give the kids sex appeal so that they could like be in more physical relationships with each other. Riverdale. Which, yes. So it's just all around the Netflix team wanted to... The, I know they wanted to do this because the original Avatar fan base is now of that age. So they wanted to appeal to the new audience. Um, they did not realize the incredible nostalgia factor that we all have and how much we're enjoying re-watching this kid show and that we don't need it to be older. Um, so I think that's Netflix's mistake in kind of reshaping that plot line. But... Uh, Michael DiMartino and uh, Konietzko have left the project um, about a week ago um, with very public uh, announcements about we don't think it's going to be bad. It's just we don't want our names on this because this is not how we envisioned it. So yeah. we'll see how it plays out. The The only reason that I would ever want it to be like more mature is so that Toph can be like dropping f bombs and stuff during the show. <laughs> That's that what a lot of people online have said. I would accept that, that. That would be the only acceptable reason. Mm -hmm. um, I think people were also worried that they were gonna go like make it more of like a love triangle and have um, like the the Zuko Katara mm -hmm. ship, uh, which yeah. sounds terrible <laughs> i hate the idea of it being a love triangle but i will admit when i was a kid i 100 percent shipped katara and zuko Ugh. um it was it was just my choice you know there were the moments um when they were in the crystal caverns and bossing say and during the final duel it was just the connection that they had it was something that i wanted when i grew up and I found love. That. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like now that I've watched it again, it's just I I truly love and appreciate the the connection uh between Aang and Katara that is there literally from the moment that he lays eyes on her five minutes into the show, um, mm -hmm. to the very end. So I I will admit there's there's some uh Zutara shipping in me. <laughs> but uh I I have been swayed over to Katang. Katang. Have you not Aww. heard these ship names? I no. <laughs> oh my oh, no. goodness! There are so many ships in this. Um, people ship Zuko and airships. Oh my uh, Water ships. <laughs> um, Earth ships. Yeah, exactly. Oh boy. So, yeah, that's that's so, how yeah. we're sitting. Avatar is our main topic. So this James Cameron 2009 film <laughs> really swept the bus. No, I'm kidding. Um, I mean, I'm excited for its five or six sequels that are all coming at the same time. They'll be there eventually. Yeah. So Avatar The Last Airbender. What is this show? I am so glad you asked Christian. 
the plot of Avatar The Last Airbender, for those of you that don't know, um, in this universe, there is an avatar, uh, which is based on um, different uh, Eastern and Middle Eastern religions having a deity um, that has a mortal form. So this is basically someone with a kind of divine spirit, um, but who is also a human, someone who is mortal. Um, and it's their responsibility, basically, to maintain peace on Earth um, amidst chaos and uh, war and all of those other things. Um, this is a person who's existed for thousands and thousands of years, and whenever the Avatar dies, they are reincarnated um, into their next life. Um, and it follows the cycle of the four elements. You know, you live in a, in a universe where there are four elements, um, air, water, fire, and earth. Um, and there are people who can bend these elements. The Avatar has the ability to bend all four of them, uh, whereas everyone else in the universe can only bend one at most. Some can't even bend at all. So Avatar Last Airbender starts with Aang, who is this 12-year-old boy who is the Avatar, but he is missing for 100 years. You know, the, uh, the Avatar before him dies. Aang is born and is the next reincarnation. He turns 12. And he's an airbender. He's a nomad. He's a monk. Um, and the elder monks tell him when he's 12 that he's the Avatar. And he kind of gets overwhelmed with this responsibility and runs away um, and gets frozen in an iceberg. Um, and he kind of gets trapped for 100 years. During this 100-year cycle, um, war wreaks havoc on the Earth. The Fire Nation is basically trying to conquer the entire world and become the superior nation um they've wiped out all of the airbenders in the world so ang is quite literally the last airbender um and they're trying to invade the water tribes at the north and south pole um, while also invading the earth kingdom um ang is awoken from this iceberg when the two other main characters sokka and katara who are both sisters from the Southern Water Tribe down at the South Pole, they find his iceberg and they break him open. Uh, and from that moment on, they're kind of bonded and they have kind of this task for Aang to master all four of these elements to save the world by the end of that summer. So the whole show takes place over about six, uh, not six months, nine months. Um, and this 12-year-old boy needs to do about 10 years worth of work in nine months. Um, and there's so much growth and there's so much comedy and there's so much love and it's absolutely a beautiful, beautiful show. Um, but that is the main plot of trying to fight um, war and superiorism and um, all of those different very real and heavy topics. Thank you for that summary. Thank you. Thank you. So I think what we wanted to talk about today just – you know, this show is just such a beloved show by children and adults alike. And, you know, we just kind of want to talk about why it's so good. Like, you know, we had that one episode back in the day. We talked about community. We talked about why we love it and why it's so good. So now we want to give Avatar that chance to just to sort of give you a pitch on why you should watch it. It's what she deserves. It's what she deserves. So... <laughs> Abby, you mentioned before that this show covers a lot of pretty serious topics in a good, you know, good like way that kids can sort of learn and understand. Mm -hmm. So um, like what kind of what kind of themes 
Let's get into it. <laughs> so many themes right and motifs that are honestly, I have no idea how I grasped as a child. Um, but it talks about genocide, for one. Uh, literally the entire race of the air nomads are wiped out um, by the Fire Nation. They commit mass genocide of an entire race of people. You learn that in episode three of the entire series. <laughs> right so it's... It, Definitely right out the gate, you know that you're dealing with some heavy topics. Um, it talks about imperialism. Uh, the Fire Nation is modeled quite literally after imperialist Japan um, around the time of World War II. You know, during World War II, while, you know, you have Germany thinking that they're superior, the superior Europeans in the world. Japan is over um, in the Pacific saying and fighting that they're the superior Asians in the world. Um, so the whole... Uh, dynamic between the four nations is kind of, you know, imperialist fire nation is trying to invade and colonize um, all of these other nations in the world. Um, so it deals with imperialism before you even get to a basic world history class in high school. Um, along that, it talks about war and cultural supremacy, you know, the fire nation thinking they're superior. And, you know, there's this quote of um, later on in season three, where one of the characters says, we were always taught that the fire nation was so great and the war was our version of sharing that greatness with them. But now I've learned that we're wrong. Um, and I think that's just a, a very interesting dynamic to think about, both as a child watching it and as an adult. Um, from that war, you learn about political corruption. You learn about censorship. You learn about refugees. Um, so many different things that go into giant foreign affairs that, I didn't really understand as a kid, but I internalized. And now as a very politically active adult, as anybody who knows me knows, um, I, I attribute a lot of my, my empathy and my moral and political standings to what this show has taught me. And it's kind of been revitalized now that I can watch the show again. In addition to giant world dynamics and war, um, you talk about feminism and gender roles in the show. You know, by episode four, Sokka, who's the biggest misogynist that you could ever imagine, who literally makes fun of his sister for being a girl all the time, gets thrown into this society in the Earth Kingdom where the warriors of the island are all incredibly trained females. Their uniforms are dresses, their weapons are fans, but they're deadly and they're amazing. And Sokka, like, begs to join them because he feels ashamed that he was beaten up by a bunch of girls. But then he, along the show, he kind of realizes how important women are um, in every dynamic. You know, women are so, so important in this show. Not only women as characters, but male characters expressing and identifying their own femininity. You know, Aang is a peaceful, very feminine man. He wears jewelry and flowers all the time. He's not afraid to be feminine. Sokka is allowed to be masculine while um, understanding the con contributions of femininity into the world. Um, and the way that Avatar just, without really acknowledging gender roles and just allows the gender roles to be broken as if that's the norm, I think that's wonderful. And I think that's a, something that we should strive for in our own world. Um, it also talks about ableism. There are plenty of disabled people in the show, Toph, who comes along in season two, is completely blind, um, and her blindness is not a disability, it's actually her advantage. Um, you also meet in season one, there's Teo, who is uh, paralyzed from the waist down, 
and he has a wheelchair. Um, but through his intelligence, he gets to fly around on a glider and he still gets to have fun. You know, it's not his disability. It's just how he lives. So ability is very important in the show's universe. Mental health and family dynamics and, you know, loss of a family is huge because you see um, basically psychological growth and downfall in many characters. And you get to see um, one of the main antagonists literally fall into madness and psychosis. And she becomes a definition psychopath um, due to the abuse of her family um, and how she never properly learned to love from her mother and her father. And um, I think it brings great awareness to how, you know, you need strong family dynamics, if not with your immediate family, then with your friends who become your second family. And um, as long as you're surrounded by people who love you, um, you will be accepted and loved and you can heal from whatever damage and trauma you have. And then lastly, I think the, the, um, the dynamic between childhood and adulthood is fantastic. You know, I'm rewatching the show for the third time with my best friend, Kelly, who's never seen it before. And every time Aang does something really cool and powerful, she just pauses it and says, he's 12. <laughs> this is a 12 year old boy who is the most powerful person on the planet. He's dealing with such mature, heavy things. Um, and I can't believe that he can do this. In addition, there's always this dynamic between this is a team of children who are constantly beating up adults. Like they'll raid <laughs> ships and they'll knock them into the water. And they'll like, it's absolutely amazing the power that these kids have. Um, and it shows that age is not limiting to you as long as you have a, a solid heart and a mission. Um, and I, I just think that's so beautiful especially with me when I grew up um I was always the youngest out of all of my friends and knowing that being a child and being younger wasn't you know something that defined me and that I could still be successful and contribute to things and be good despite being inexperienced I thought that was something that really resonated with me as a kid um and I just always need to remind myself that these are no what no none of the main characters are older than 16 you know, I just think that's fascinating how evil people can be before 16 and how good people can be before 16. I think it's absolutely beautiful how the characters are written. Yeah, definitely. I It's interesting. I didn't even really think of that that much because a lot of shows that are like geared towards kids. I mean, obviously, this is like an all ages show, but it aired on Nickelodeon. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of them are either the kids all try to like act super old or mm -hmm. uh, or they're portrayed as like being super old or even like played by people who are obviously way, way older than the character is or they're just played as not necessarily like helpless kids but kids where they definitely are like relying more on adults or like the people around them and this is one of like the examples i guess of that all being like not thrown out of the window but it's like it's still acknowledged but they like move past that and they mm -hmm. it definitely is like a great message for kids or just anybody um about like what you're able to do mm -hmm. um one of my favorite things about the show or like one of my not my favorite things but one of the things that is not on that list that i like a lot is how they like are able to humanize the enemy i guess mm -hmm. um 
because there are people there are characters on the show that are just like pure evil um <laughs> but a lot of times since it's a war the the kids are interacting with people like from the enemy nation or like mm-hmm. people who are supposed to be the enemy and they still show them as just very normal people who are just living in that society like there's in book exactly. three they go to the fire nation and ang has to go in disguise to a school and the kids there are not all like evil kids who are trying to like who are all troublemakers they're just regular kids who are being taught like propaganda or it's all propaganda. Um, or even like the the prison guards are just people like who are trying to get by with their job mm-hmm. and just kind of you know there's times where they're like joking with the other prison guards or one is happy that the boss remembered his birthday <laughs> um, to mention that so that not everyone is just like a faceless um like grunt or uh everyone's totally evil mm-hmm. which i like a lot and that's so real you know if you want to put it in today's context there are a lot of people who don't like america as a nation does that mean that every single american is out for the destruction of other countries no it just means that you know how you know either other people portray themselves to us or how we portray ourselves to other nations um doesn't represent the individual you know um and there can be a lot of propaganda in any country in any society and i think the the creator's way of doing that you know they create the amazing redemption arc for one of the original villains who then becomes a good guy and is so essential for the the victory to even possibly occur um well i think you're very right the humanization of the quote-unquote enemy is so so important into how well crafted the show is one thing that i really love about the show you know we have this sort of fantastical concept where it's like you know sort of like a rural um t- uh, society like without technology and there are all these, you know, people who can like bend, you know, the elements and they have like the avatars, like the savior of the world. And there's a war going on and just like it's all like a fantastical concept. But they like the characters that you spend time with are just like so relatable mm-hmm. and you sort of like understand the struggles they're going through, even though, you know, you can't create fire out of nothing or you can't you know, pick up water with, you know, just by waving your hands, but you can still understand like everything that they're going through. Like Sokka is probably one of my favorite characters. Um, Like what he goes through, through the whole show, like he's a non-bender and he's constantly surrounded by, you know, Aang is the avatar. Katara is a great waterbender. Toph is like an earthbender. And then she like invents metal bending and also she's blind. And so it's just all these you know powerful people and Sokka can't really do any of that so he like constantly feels like he has to prove himself that he's like worthy of like being on the team even though he can't bend and I think that sort of goes along like early on the show um you know how he has that sort of internalized misogyny and I think sort of throughout the whole show he's sort of like you know I'm I'm the man I gotta be the man I have to prove my worth you know, and, you know, he, he does prove his worth, even though he can't bend, he, you know, he comes up with plans, he's got the boomerang, he's great with the ladies, he's such a flirt, he's so <laughs> cute, uh, like, he, 
Oh my goodness. Sokka just gets like all of the ladies. Every he girl he meets falls in love with him. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> like, God, Somebody love... did the math and Sokka kisses more people than anybody else in the show. <laughs> or not even more people, like more times. So like Zuko has a girlfriend and like they kiss a couple times on screen. So like even though Sokka kisses more people, he kisses more times on screen than even people with like husbands and wives and girlfriends and boyfriends like he's <laughs> he's got major game he's just he i just love him and he's like so funny but also like he like he has his serious moments and he's just such like i just like love every single character on the show even like the villains like we were just talking about it like humanizes the villains like right from the get-go like you're told oh ang and Aang and his gang are the good guys and the Fire Nation the bad guys. But like from the first episode, you have Zuko hunting the Avatar and you're like, okay, that's the bad guy. But then you have Uncle Iroh, who is like playing um oh, what's the game? Pai Show. Pai Show. And he's you know, Zuko's like, Oh, we have to go get the Avatar. He's like, Zuko, why don't you take a like take a chill pill, have some tea with me, play some Pai Show? And you're like, this guy doesn't seem that bad. And then Iroh is like sort of joining on joining on Zuko's hunt to find the avatar and regain like his honor. Kind of like a chaperone, but Iroh doesn't really do like evil things. Like Iroh's also a bit of well not anymore. Yeah, but, he used uh, to be this great war general who tried to invade the Earth Kingdom. He almost did it, and then his son died during the battle. He crumbled and then they lost the battle. So he um he came home in great shame. Um, Iroh is royalty. He is the brother to um, the Fire Lord, who's like the king of the Fire Nation. Um, Zuko is the prince. He's the Fire Lord's son. So Zuko, basically, when he's 14, um, he speaks out against um, his father. um, And his father challenges him to a duel. Um, During that duel, Zuko begs for forgiveness. He doesn't want to fight his own father. But the, there's this huge thing about honor in the Fire Nation, which aligns a lot with Japanese culture, um, and that you said something, like, you need to stand up for it and fight, but Zuko wouldn't fight. Um, so his father uh, scars him, literally. He shoots fire, and it scars Zuko's, um, the left side of his his face. Um, and then, because he didn't fight, he has so much shame, and he lost his honor, that the only way to regain it is if he goes out and captures the Avatar. So he's on this two-year mission out at sea just searching for this avatar that really doesn't exist yet before Aang is discovered and then the chase is on but you know Zuko's the villain from the very beginning and then about I think season episode 12 um, is the storm and that's when you find out his backstory and you find out wow he's been through some stuff like he's just a, a tortured soul and he's not doing this because he wants to be evil he's doing it because he wants love and acceptance from his father and it's he's Zuko's just an incredibly crafted character, but Iroh mm. kind of relates in that shame of um, I came home, I didn't do what I need to accomplish. Iroh comes back and realizes the corruption of the Fire Nation and how just horrible of a nation it is. But he needs to keep quiet. Um, so what he does is, since he lost his son, he accompanies Zuko on this journey um, to be the father figure. So Zuko isn't out and alone, so they can both kind of reclaim their honor from their shame and their you know, losses, but along the way, they both learn a lot and they both develop and grow, 
even though Zuko needs to do a lot more growing than Iroh does because he has all the wisdom already. But uh, it's the the shift from bad to good, not just as a character, but in the eyes of the audience is so well crafted and so essential to understanding the the nature of human beings you know we're not all inherently good all the time or inherently bad all the time people there's constant growth and switching back and forth so i think that the show is just incredibly real it like christian said it takes real people and characters and concepts and puts them into this phantasmical world um so it feels a little detached but at the same time you can very easily project yourself on your character of choice you know christian projects onto Sokka, I project onto katara a lot um, Will, who who do you relate to um, the most in the show? A bit of Sokka too, maybe like a little bit of Zuko. Mm. Um, not like one person completely. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Cabbage Guy. Um, <laughs> definitely. But yeah, um, I want to like transition just for a sec to talk about something that I found out about the show because obviously I didn't watch it when it was coming out. One of the reasons that I didn't watch it was because I was really intimidated that it was like a serialized show that like you had to watch in order. So I'd see like book two chapter like 13 come up and I'd be like, okay, I don't know what happened in the last 13 chapters. Um, so I'm not going to watch this. Um, but like, I always knew everyone really loved the show, but apparently like Nickelodeon did not treat the show well when they were airing it because mm-hmm. They, in the third, I get the spoilers. I mean, we talked spoilers. In the third book, in third season, the like mid season finale, I guess, is the gang and trying to invade the Fire Nation because there's an eclipse that stops all of the firebenders from doing their bending. So that's like their window of opportunity. It's a big episode, like a couple episodes. It's a two parter. Yeah. And I think that's like when a certain character like makes a big change at the end of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And after that episode, they stopped airing them for a year, (laughs) Um, an entire year of no new episodes of the show. Talk about a cliffhanger. And then, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then a year later, they aired the remaining, like what, 12 episodes or like 11, 10 episodes. Um, I think it's 12. Uh, Yeah. So like around 12 episodes, uh, they aired those in the span of like five days. Um, I remember that marathon when I was a kid. That was fun. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, like, that's not how you air a popular show. (laughs) Um, Like, you don't. I mean, maybe now with like Netflix, you dump everything. But especially on a like kids network, uh, that's not the way to handle a show. Like, they obviously didn't care that much, Mm -hmm. Um, especially like when there's trailers on youtube like videos of people losing it at the book three trailers uh like that they did at like comic-con and stuff Mm -hmm. so people really were like excited for this last season and they just left everyone hanging for so long and then we're like all right here you go it's done now like we can air more spongebob now um (laughs) and then they did the same thing with cora um when they knew that what they were getting into this time Pretty much the entire final two seasons of the show aired online only and were never aired on the channel. So way less people were able to watch the show. People who really were fans had to like go through the hassle of using the Nickelodeon website to watch mm-hmm. the last two seasons. Cora was also weird with the way that Nickelodeon handled it because 
Nickelodeon did the episode drops, finished Avatar, and then they were like, wow, we didn't realize how much people loved this. Let's do a sequel series. And instead of just elaborating more on the adventures of the Aang gang, they decide, let's skip 100 years and let's go to Korra. Let's go to the next Avatar. Um, but we're like, people don't love it that much. So we'll like we'll sign it for one season. And they told the writers, we want you to write a plot that'll fit in one season. So Avatar, from the very beginning, had a very three-act arc where every act of the plot perfectly fit into the three seasons. That was the end goal. They always knew they were going to do that. With Korra, the writers were told, you have one season, that's all we're signing you for, give it a plot. And so they did. So they produced it, they sent it out, everybody loved Korra. So then Nickelodeon was like, oh, this made us a lot of money, let's make another season. So you have to write a whole new plot that fits in one season, here, do something. They did it again, everything was wrapped up, oh, we like this a lot, people are into this, but we don't want to air it on Nickelodeon. So we're going to sign you for two more seasons. So now you can make a plot that fits in two seasons, but we're only going to air it online. So not nearly as many people are going to see it. So it, the, I've heard things about Korra of people don't like the, the storyline and the arc because it feels choppy. You know, every season's quite literally a different story because that's how it was designed. It wasn't designed to have that full arc and progression. Mm-hmm. So um, that's another thing about Korra that some people don't like, but that's because Nickelodeon just didn't treat it well. Nickelodeon did not realize how much of a phenomenon Avatar The Last Airbender was and would end up being, which is a shame. Yeah. And yeah. I think now they're trying to like capitalize on it. One hundred percent. I we talked about Christian, I talked about the during Pride Month they put a post of like all the like LGBT characters and they <laughs> pla- plastered Cora right on the front. Um what a bye. And I think there were some others that like we didn't even know about. Sponge- but um, SpongeBob is Pan. Oh That's yeah. Yep. I, um, and then I think they've been like doing po- like Instagram posts and like a lot of social media stuff, like talking about the show again when it was a show that, I mean, it's not like the the social media runners' fault, but like that back then they really did not care about the show. Yeah. Um. So that's definitely like interesting to see. But, that's why I don't like these big companies that just capitalizing on something for a lot of money. Like we were saying, um, you know, Cora was sort of like season by season. They didn't really have an overarching plot. You know, it's kind of like I've talked a lot about like the Star Wars sequels, how like each movie was like, we're going to do this plot, this plot, this plot. They didn't have like a whole plan. And then you see like a lot of people didn't like it because it's unfocused and it just sort of goes back and forth. Something is introduced in the first movie and then it's retconned in the next movie. So I just think that's like, you know, if you're going to make a show like this, you got to have an idea of where it's going to go like fully. And I, Nickelodeon really did Korra dirty and they did Avatar dirty and, you know, they wanted to tell the story, but they just went one season at a time and they're like, oh, this season's making us a lot of, the show's making us a lot of money. Now we'll do another season. And now that it's going back on the Netflix and it's super popular again, of course they're going to, you know, post a bunch about it. They're like, oh, people like it. We're going to get money from it because I'm sure, you know, they're going to get some money from it because it's a Nickelodeon property show on Netflix. So everyone watching on Netflix is probably Nickelodeon's probably some getting some of that money. So now well, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, we love Korra. We love Avatar. To be fair, though, there was no reason to capitalize it because there was no way to watch it before. So, you know, now that there is that option, why wouldn't you capitalize on it? Because I know 
um, I haven't done this through Nickelodeon, but I've bought a lot of Avatar stuff over the past couple of months. You know, I have, um, I'm painting something literally right now. I'm halfway through an Avatar painting in my room. Um, I bought a poster from Redbubble off of this artist that I really like that's hanging up in my room. I bought a tapestry of Appa flying in front of the moon. Um, oh. I'm going to buy a, an Appa plushie because Appa is my favorite character in case any of you didn't know. Um, even though we haven't talked about him once this podcast. <laughs> just about to mention that. Um, but, I, you know, th- this is the time to capitalize because as much as I've loved Avatar since I was a very, very small child, you know, it felt odd to, you know, obsess over something that I didn't have access to anymore. You know, I have the DVDs of season one, but I don't have a DVD player anymore. So it's, you know, I had no way to access this. So it would feel weird if I just had this, um, merchandise and memorabilia around me that didn't fit, you know, how I felt at the time. But, you know, my love for it has been revitalized and I can access that content anytime. So now, like, if Nickelodeon is selling good merch or they're providing good content, I'm going to take it. That's consumerism and I'm just going to take it. <laughs> yeah, point. I, that is a good point. Um, I literally forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I don't know, but, um, I mean, like, I get, like, yeah, they're going to capitalize on it because now it's popular, but it's just a little disappointing when the show originally aired. They didn't really treat it too well. They didn't really seem to care, like Will was saying, but now they're like, oh, it's popular. Now we should, you know, pump out all this stuff. So it's like, where were you back when it was first airing? Like Hindsight's 2020. Exactly. And it, it's- In the year 2020 that's so crazy <laughs> it's kind of uh-huh. it's kind of strange why they even took on the show anyway because all of their shows at the time and pretty much still now are all just like episodic shit like you can just pick up and watch whenever mm-hmm. um like spongebob or fairly odd parents or you know all those other shows so i feel like this is one of those like maybe first or early examples of them trying something like that where it's like that's true you have to like watch these in order or like here's the big finale um that's something I mean, you give to kids a lot. Yeah, like that's really just something that you'd have in like a a drama or something else that's more for like an older audience. So that's definitely a cool thing to see. It made me more engaged because it wasn't just like a hundred filler episodes. <laughs> um, like, okay, but the filler episodes are some of the best episodes. Even the filler they they did a beach episode oh. and it was good. It was literally beach volleyball and teens having a party, but it was phenomenal because you got to learn about the villains. It humanized the villains. And it was just oh. Even like at the very end when they had to do the big recap episode right before the finale, even that was Which is just, genius. It's just so good. You know, they they the I don't want to say the penultimate episode because technically the last episode is four episodes. Mm-hmm. But right before the finale. Um, the gang is in the Fire Nation. Um, they're training right before the big battle. And then they say, you know what? We've been working so hard. We need a break. Let's go into town and we'll watch a show tonight. Um, and it's a show literally about the gang. Um, and it's it's horribly done. The actors are terrible. The writing's terrible. It's a, it's a gag the entire show. But it is the perfect way to sum up everything that's happened in the past three seasons into a 30-minute episode, all while there are intermissions where you get to see more dynamics between the characters and, you know, you get to see the goofiness, but there's also the heaviness of, like, 
wow, this is the end. Like we're coming to the end and this is everything that we've gone through. And it's, oh, wow. That episode, fantastic. I love the Ember Island players. Just perfectly crafted. I think another thing it does well, not only just recapping the events of the show, but just sort of going back before, like you can see the character arcs that some of these characters have gone through. Like, you know, as soon as the actor Zuko shows up and he's all like, oh, you know, I... I hit the avatar. I got to catch the avatar. Then we see the real Zuko is like really embarrassed. Is like, mm-hmm. just like, did I really sound like that? Was I really like that? So then it's not only like, okay, this is what happened throughout the show right before the finale, but now you get to see like, oh yeah, these characters have changed so much, and like, oh, it's just, it's so good. That reminds me of um the scene in Endgame where like Hulk sees uh past Hulk like tearing up the town and you like it's really it's like, oh, it. um i yeah that episode's amazing one of my favorite episodes um i we should all do a favorite episode actually that's a good idea yes. um, oh my goodness i think my favorite episode is tales of bossing say Ugh. the one of one of the good things about the filler episodes is there's so few of them and like mm-hmm. you guys said they still have character development and stuff tales of bossing say the plot does not really progress except for like a tiny thing at the end and it's literally just all the characters off doing their own things in the Earth Kingdom's capital city. So, like, Zuko goes on a date with a girl. Um, <laughs> Katara and Toph go, like, to, to a spa. Um, like, just all very mundane things. But you get to, like, learn more about the characters. Um, you There's still some, like, a bit of action and stuff. And there's still some progression at the end. But it's just, like a relaxing episode right before everything goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just love it so much. And there's a very, very sad moment um, with Uncle Iroh that ends up honoring the the actor who played him who passed away like while they were making the <sighs> the second season. So sad. And it's just a very emotional episode too. So that's mm-hmm. my favorite. Christian? Uh, I got to think about this. So I, I pulled up a an episode list because i gotta look through because obviously i don't think i don't really think there's like a single bad episode mm. the great divide the great divide what is bad about that one i know everyone hates it. it's divide. just it's just it's it's a filler episode that serves no purpose like it's not even entertaining um, oh so it's, yeah no never mind yeah i don't like that one yeah that it's kind of dumb it's not bad it's just it it's a filler episode that feels like a filler episode whereas yeah. all the other filler episodes don't feel like it mm-hmm. i think if i had to choose just sort of looking through one that really sticks out to me is um nightmares and daydreams mm-hmm. which is in book three when ang is really sleep deprived and he keeps having these dreams of fighting the fire lord and you know it's sort of goofy so it's like it's not only like he's like scared that he hasn't trained enough, but also it's just sort of like kind of lighthearted before all the serious stuff in the finale that um you know, Aang has these crazy dreams and has some pretty quotable lines like towards the end of the episode, Aang's like, No, Fire Lord Ozai, you're not wearing any <laughs> pants. And then, you know, he's freaking out about how uh he didn't study for his math test and all that but it's just a i think it's a really funny episode um right before in like the more serious book three 
uh, where you spend like a lot of time with the characters in the Fire Nation, whereas the other uh, seasons you're sort of they're like moving around, going all these different places. But so it's more of like a serious tone throughout the book, and I think it's just sort of a lighthearted episode. And I also do like Tales of Bossing Save. Will didn't say that I probably would have said that, but like I don't know. I just I love all of these. I don't know, but uh, Abby, what would you say is your favorite episode? This is an incredibly difficult question. <laughs> it's like picking a favorite <laughs> child. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, uh, my favorite season is season three. Um, I don't want to say that I have favorites, but I do. Mm-hmm. But like, the, it's so close. Um, when I was a kid, I was always so obsessed with the Runaway. Um, I don't really know why. I think it's because I might have a gambling addiction. But that's oh my god, the- <laughs> that's a go that episode. Oh, yeah, it's the episode where Toph um basically uses her um her earthbending skills to hustle gamblers in the Fire Nation. They scam a bunch of people and make a lot of money. I don't know why I love that episode so much when I was a kid. I have no answer. I still love it, but I now that I've grown up, I I'm starting to love other ones more. Um. I adore the boiling rock, um, mainly because Suki gets reintroduced, and oh, I adore Suki. I love Suki. That's that would probably be my other. Pick. <laughs> That's um, funny. But I also the Firebending Masters, which is right before the Boiling Rock. Um, that one I love visually, and in a thousand different ways because it's really the 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 beginning of Zuko realizing his true destiny. Um, you know, it's right after spoiler alert. Um, Zuko after we talked about this before, but after the invasion during the eclipse, he tries to join um, the team, but this is the episode right after he joins and he's like saying, I'm going to teach Aang Earth firebending because he needs a firebending teacher, but Zuko can't firebend anymore because he has this, this inner conflict and usually his firebending comes from rage but he's starting to find peace but now that he's not raging he doesn't know how to firebend so they basically go to the firebending like source like the original civilization that are modeled after the Aztecs and the Incans um and Aang and Zuko basically learn the true way to firebend um and I think that this is a great example of what Avatar is as a show um because it talks about the heavy topics of this is a very very ancient civilization that basically had to pretend that it was extinct so that the fire nation that still survives wouldn't like colonize it um and that talks about like a cultural progression and uh um supremacy um it talks about like the nature of you know your soul and your your passion um visually it's absolutely stunning there's so many colors in this and also from a martial arts perspective i love this episode because um fun fact for anybody listening i am a martial artist um i have been practicing taekwondo which is a southern korean martial art since i was six um i stopped when i got to high school because i got busy and my high school was a 30 minute commute away so i just didn't have time to do all of the things i wanted to do but I, I made it up to a third degree black belt. So I I have oh. a lot of uh, attention to martial arts. Um, and in this episode that I'm referring to, there's the dancing dragon, which is actually a, a form that I learned when I was a kid. 
Um, it's very, very comforting to see things like that, but it's so perfectly choreographed and used in the universe um, so that the character development and the, the cultural development, and I feel like Avatar is embodied in that one episode, and I, I've come to appreciate it a lot more um, as an adult. Yeah, that's definitely one of like the like high points of the series, I think. I also always like... Well, I'm not always like I've seen it once. Um, I like that uh, that music that you always hear like in the end credits uh, mm-hmm. of the show like gets you figure out like where it's from because that's what they all start playing as they do like the dance. Yep. Um, so that was really cool to hear like when I first watched it and like got that. Um, but yeah, I love that episode too. Um, I do want to take this moment to segue into something. Um, talking about this episode reminds me of how much I love the cultural attention that is uh, brought to details, very, very minute details in the Avatar universe. You know, every elemental nation is modeled after a real nation. You know, the air nomads are modeled after Tibetan monks. Um, The water tribes are modeled after Eskimos and Inuits. Um, The Earth Kingdom is modeled after China. And fire, like we talked about before, is Japan. Not only are they modeled after those cultures, but their martial arts that all of the benders perform are also modeled after real martial arts and choreographed to match real forms um, that align with those countries. So the Air Nomads, uh, they're choreographed to do Baguazhang, um, which is a Tibetan martial art. The Water Tribe, they practice Tai Chi. So Tai Chi is what uh, waterbending looks like. Um, and then the Earth and Fire Kingdoms uh, both do different forms of Kung Fu. Um, but the Earth Kingdom practices Southern Chinese Kung Fu, and the Fire Nation does uh, Shaolin Kung Fu, which is from the north of Asia. Um, but just that attention to detail, not only in the martial arts, but in the worlds that they've created, I think is just so important. And that's what I mean when like that one episode embodies that so much. Yeah, that's really cool. Like I, I'd watched like a, I think a couple Avatar videos. And I remember hearing about that and I just thought that was, you know, really cool. And that kind of, that kind of reminds me of that one episode when, um, Iroh is teaching Zuko how to redirect lightning and he's saying like all, how all the nations have sort of a different technique to their bending, but it's important even, you know, even if you're a firebender, it's important to understand how a wanderbender works. So you, you can sort of bring everything in harmony and all that and i love iroh too he's just mm-hmm. so wise he's so cute he's probably my favorite character yes like he's, he's a, like he's a close second for me like he's like i never thought i would come back to the city of my greatest military failure as a tourist he puts on his little goofy hat oh, yeah. he's walking around bossing say he's like so excited like to just walk around and his little tea shop and uh well, one of my favorite jokes comes from the the runaway episode where they're writing the boys like are like Toph and Katar fighting so the boys try to like fake write an apology letter yeah. not realizing that Toph can't write or read um, so Katar figures out moments. instantly um, but that's a great point about like, the culture stuff I think it's I mean we had the episode about like representation and obviously like the nations aren't like actual nations like in the show but they are based off of real ones and there's really like no there's there's no white characters in the show Except besides swamp benders. 
They oh, are yeah. modeled and after Florida. <laughs> besides like the fact that the most like a lot of the cast is voiced by like white people, which that's a whole thing. I think a lot of it is just like a thing of casting at the time, but um in like in Hollywood and stuff in general. But like besides that, the show itself like very much respects and showcases like a lot of different cultures and especially for kids, that's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um and like when a lot of the other shows like at the time on there were either like anthropomorphic characters or like just white characters or, you know, so on and so forth. Um, it was definitely a really good thing to see a show where the majority of the cast is like people of color, which makes like the live action movie even worse. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that's definitely like super important. Yes. I think another thing that, we haven't really mentioned, you know, where we've talked about all the you know, serious topics that the show brings up and how good the characters are. I don't think we really talked about just how funny the show is. Mm-hmm. Like, even though like it's geared towards kids, like, you know, I watched it when I was 20 and it's like all these jokes are just so hilarious to me. I think some of my favorite jokes are like the tough is blind jokes. Mm-hmm. So like they're, you know, and we've talked about how being blind is not really her disability it's more like what gives her like this great power but um you know there are so many moments when they just like they like forget she's blind like they like hang a piece of paper in front of her and like did you see her (laughs) and she's like no idiots i of course did not i I can't see one of my favorites of those are when they're riding through the desert looking for the library and then toff yells there it is and she points and they all look (laughs) And she's like, that's what it'll sound like when you find it. And then she sort of like waves her hand over her eyes because she's blind. And has all the goofy sound effects. And the show is so funny. my close second favorite. (laughs) I I identified a lot with her when I was a kid. Um, She was was my go-to, my favorite. Um, But then I grew up and I I still love her. Um, But I don't identify with her as much. So I don't, she's not nearly as high up there anymore. But still a fantastic character. Then they're like all fantastic characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question, I guess. Were you guys hooked immediately when you watched the show? I know you watched it when you were younger, Abby, but like Christian, like were you um, all hooked like right away or did it take a bit? I mean, I think like from the f- maybe like the first couple episodes, I was like, okay, this seems, f- you know, this seems like a cool show. And I was like, obviously I'm going to keep watching it because everyone keeps gushing about how amazing it is. So I'm like, I'm going to like it. But I think maybe like the third episode was, you know, when they talk about genocide, when, you know, Aang gets to the air temple and like all of his people are dead. Then I was like, whoa, this show is doing something. Mm -hmm. So then I think maybe then was when I was like, all right, I'm in. I I don't know I I really was not a fan when I first started like Mm -hmm. everyone was hyping it up and I was like okay fine and I felt like the few first couple episodes were like kind of boring and it felt like very much like a kid show to me I was like maybe I didn't know if it was just like a nostalgia thing why people really liked it and then it took me like a little bit into season one to really get into it but one of the first things that started to turn me was when they go to the Earth Kingdom and are doing like Boomy's tests, and they have to guess his name. And Sokka says, "Guys, I got it." 
rocky you know because <laughs> of the rocks <laughs> and then they're like yeah that, that's a that's a good option but we're gonna keep going <laughs> um that i thought that was so funny uh like because i love like stupid puns and stuff um mm-hmm. that scene and just like all throughout the show there's a lot of moments where they just have the funniest like they're animated in like the the funniest poses or um just like crazy facial expressions i know there's one that friend of the pod max sends a lot of ang with like puppy dog eyes <laughs> um <laughs> that that's like what started to make me turn and i i think like once i don't know if there was an exact moment but probably like halfway through the first season i was like just completely hooked but it took me like a little while because i almost gave up like pretty quick um mm-hmm. but i'm glad i stuck with it i, I really just want to i don't want to i don't want to give myself too much of hype of hype for this but i i'm very proud of myself for the amount of people that i've convinced to watch this show yes you two being prime examples yes <laughs> um but i me getting annie to watch it friend of the pod annie Shout um out. That was a, a huge accomplishment for me because I didn't think that she'd do it, and then she loved it. Um, the way that Annie feels about Bojack is the way that I feel about Avatar. Oh, <laughs> I love Bojack. I need to start Bojack also. <laughs> maybe I'll maybe I'll have Annie on. Um, we could talk about Bojack because I just I just finished that again, and I just oh, friend I of the pod, it. Annie. Here's yes. your offer. There's your offer. Annie. I gotta watch you know, it first. Hang on. You gotta watch that. <laughs> So maybe after you watch that, then we can do a whole episode I've, on that. Because that's okay, I've watched the first two seasons. I just got to rewatch them all of them now. So good. So Avatar: good. The Last Airbender. Also, <clears throat> like, I guess maybe at the time a lot of the shows are like this, but like now all shows are not hand animated. They're all animated with flash. A lot of them mm-hmm. don't look very good because of it. This show, I believe, was hand drawn the entire time, right? Um. Once they got to season two, um, the first like two episodes were not hand animated, and then they realized how bad it looked, so they went back to hand animating it. Yeah, and it it looks so much better because of it. Yeah. Like, and this is the same with any show. Like, I remember like early SpongeBob, early Fairly Odd Parents were hand drawn, and it looks so much better mm-hmm. um, than when they made the switch. Um, I don't know what Cora does. It seems like it might be Flash, but. Um, because it doesn't i mean it looks newer but i can't tell if it's hand drawn or not um but because of that like all of those crazy like poses and facial expressions like someone in our like group told us like you could pause the show at any moment and like you can get so much just from a picture (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and especially with like all the action scenes and all of like the environments they show like it's just a beautiful show to watch in general Mm -hmm. yeah quite the amazing show well i, I highly think... recommend to anybody of any age to watch even it. though we've spoiled a lot of it it doesn't matter it doesn't matter still uh, honestly it. you can know the ending and still enjoy every single step of the way like yeah, I, said, I i'm on my third rewatch and i still enjoy every second yeah like i knew that um that zuko like what ha- like i knew like his character progression and it didn't diminish any of it it um there's not really any huge twists in the show that haven't already gets yeah that can get spoiled for you or haven't already been spoiled for you um that's your takeaway watch watch avatar and if you are watch it again i might any um again any properties that you could imagine a good crossover with 
Like, a, imagine if there was a That's So Sweet Life of Hannah Montana episode, <laughs> but it was with, like, Nickelodeon shows and Avatar was the, the anchor show. Oh, God, Who would you want to show up? I don't think anybody could. I'm going to be no, very honest. I don't think so. Like, I would like Timmy Turner to wish that he could, like, do all the bending and then... But the, the Jimmy Timmy Power Hour. <laughs> oh, you're right. Well, <laughs> throw them in there. That's fine. Um... You can have like, Jimmy and Sokka become friends, and then Timmy and Anne can become friends. The iCarly gang gets invited to the Fire Nation <laughs> to do a live episode of iCarly. <laughs> uh, and that's like when um, that's like when the Victorious cast went down to like that um, <laughs> that like communist country like Yoruba. Oh my god! And they got trapped there. That's the fire. If anybody doesn't understand what the Fire Nation is yet, that's what it's like. <laughs> Yeah, I really like there were so many opportunities that they missed out on. Um, you know, we could have seen the the My Life as a Teenage Robot Avatar oh um puppy crossover oh, that uh, <laughs> um puppy. that really would have I think pleased audiences. That's if they need, if they bring the show back it, they should do that. Um uh, yes. Or actually I think it would be kind of cool if they did like uh a TV movie of like the get like the events after the show yeah so that's what the comic books cover um and i still need to read the comic books i'm investing mm. in those very soon and i want to read those because that you know when nickelodeon said let's make cora um and they didn't want to like continue with ang they wanted to start with the whole new thing the creators were like okay cool but we have an unfinished story with ang like what happened to zuko's mother and you know, let's learn more about the other avatars before Aang. You know, Aang's only 12. He has so much more of his life to live. Um, so the the comic books are a great source of material um, if they were ever going to make more episodes. So the plan um, originally is they were going to do the live action remake of the show and then go back and animate like a season four of Avatar with a plot from the... Um, from the comic books so it kind of continues Aang's story i heard that rumor that could, i mean that could be like a clone wars or so like when they brought back clone wars and everyone yeah they could totally do that also that just reminded me you talking about like what happened to zuko's mom little spoiler for the first episode of korra the humor no. from the original series is still there because one of the first things that happens is a character asks hey what happened to zuko's mom and they're like, oh, that's a great story. Let me tell you. And then they get interrupted. <laughs> and they never tell the story. <laughs> um, uh, that just funny. made me remember that. That's funny. Um, like, yeah. I, I do know what happened to Zuko's mom just because of my my readings. But I want to I want to see it. I want to see it happen. Yeah. yeah. But any, I don't know, any last minute thoughts? Watch the show. Watch it's so Avatar. good. It's so good. I'm gonna throw it out there. Don't watch it. Oh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Will I don't want to get proud. <laughs> Will you're fired. Watch Korra first, and then watch Avatar. Oh Will, my god! Get out. No. <laughs> do the do you gotta go like backwards? I knew people in elementary school who would like read books from the last book and then go backwards. Why? I don't know, <laughs> but you should try that. Um, it's kind of like people going on the internet purposely looking for spoilers. Isn't that dumb? Hey. <laughs> no i don't okay. purpose, my, i don't purposely look for them okay yeah i'm not the only one <laughs> no, right, um, whatever and most I of the time it. it's by accident <laughs> um but you just keep like all right my friend and well, i accidentally if... spoiled the sixth sense for us a couple years ago 
I can't help myself, okay? I if I run into them, I have to look at them. I know. It's okay, Will. All right, um, well, I think that'll be it for today's episode. Abby, nice. thank you very much for coming on. Of oh, course. This is this is my niche topic. I know more about Avatar The Last Airbender than anything else in pop culture. Yeah, so a, thank you for this amazing episode. opportunity. Yes, thank you for coming on. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.